I've reached that age. I'm bordering on Desi uncle mode. So, you know, I can just give free advice to anybody about anything. You know, I'm a specialist in everything. Season two, episode four of the Risk Test Podcast. This is me, Shaf Chowdhury, and I'm joined with Sadi Habib. Hi. So you had a week off last week. I did. I had a last. Uh, I left you last week. I'm sorry for abandoning you. It's quite uh, all right. I can't remember now. Everything, all the days have just kind of melded into one in lockdown. So I can't actually even remember why I let you down. But I do apologise. But you without <laughs> me. But I'm gutted. I didn't get to meet Daniel Yorklow. Oh, he was a fantastic guest. He was really good. We had a, I don't know if you listened to it yet, but it was a really great wide ranging discussion because we've covered all sorts of stuff. Um, this week, we have a very special guest in Asim Burney, who, Asim, you and I have been speaking for a while now, probably the best part of a year and a half to two years now. Yeah, no, we've not been talking, man. You've been dodging me. That's what <laughs> you've got to keep it real. Like, I think I, as soon as you guys launched the risk test, I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing idea. Get me involved. And I didn't hear from you for three years. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I apologize profusely. I said that was never my intention. Um, but I'm really pleased that we finally did get to speak because we've been playing with the idea of having a Bollywood special for a while now. And we've been having a few discussions about when we should do it. And we picked it up recently and and here we are but by way of introduction um when we wanted to when we first thought about let's do a bollywood special we wanted to really speak to someone who really knew their stuff and i don't think they come more qualified than you asim um so you've been running you are the host and producer of the khan dan podcast which is a podcast that is you, you you put it out like every other week yes as I understand it, the Khandan podcast, it's a focus on the, the movies of Amir Salman and Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah, I think uh, the Khans have been such a dominant force in Bollywood for the last 30 years. Um, they really shaped it and they really like, I think also for all of us, a certain age group, there's just a nostalgic hold that these guys have, right? Like Kal Ho Na Ho, the songs, or, you know, Mene Pyar Kia, all of these movies, we have a connect with them if we do love Bollywood, right? And we all have our favorite Khan. And it was kind of a window to look at Bollywood and Hindi cinema um, through, that, uh, through that window in a way. And we, we, we veer off topic many, many times. We cover pretty much all of Hindi cinema. But uh, it's, it's just kind of the anchor that brings us back to kind of, you know, uh, take that discussion from there. So that's that's what the Khandan podcast tries to do. Uh, I don't know how successful we are in that, but it is every other week. Um, I mean, now we're doing the Corona episodes. So every week we're kind of like just catching up. And it's more about us, you know, getting in touch with our mental health and speaking with our friends and like, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Um, then specifically talking about movies. But um, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing it. 
I mean, how, and how long have you been doing it for? Yeah, so um, Khandan Podcast is part of the You Podcast Network. You Podcast has existed for nine or ten years now, almost. And um, it was before, you know, before podcasts were even that big. And I basically, like I was telling Sadia, I've moved around quite a bit. I've lived in Paris. I lived in Amsterdam, and there was a point where I was just missing talking to my friends about movies and I wanted to have those discussions through Skype and then we just thought this is a good discussion let's just post it right and that's how you podcast started and then we just kind of tumbled into the Bollywood world which I was really really passionate about but my co-host uh, one was British and the other was Egyptian so it's not really like they had a real connect with it sometimes I would force them to watch like some one Bollywood movie but that would be it um, but then I think I had a very I have a very good friend at the BBC called Ashanti Omkar um, she was doing press for the London Indian Film Festival and she put me in touch with I think Imran Khan who and Amir Khan who were doing their movie premiere at Delhi Belly at the London Indian Film Festival and that just kind of opened the window to access to a lot of Bollywood stars and it kind of snowballed into you podcast doing more and more Bollywood shows. And then that concept of Khandan started, I think two, three years ago, two years ago. Uh, I think we're at episode 56. I'm terrible at math. So you can count back when we started. Um, so yeah, but uh, so that that's where the Khandan started. And then that just took off. I like more than any other po podcast I've done or been on Khandan is the most popular thing I've ever done. And, um, you know, long after I'm dead, I'm, I'm people will still be, you know, listening to the inane theories I have on the internet talking about Salman Khan and his pics, you know? <laughs> That's going to be my legacy. <laughs> when we first started the risk test project, our immediate thoughts were talking about Hollywood because that's the where most of the contemporary examples that we first thought of came to hand all the passes and the fails. But Hollywood is not the biggest industry in the world. It's, it's Bollywood, and that's not a surprise to anyone here. And the very fact that both Sadia and I are from Pakistani heritage, it's something that we grew up with. And that's why we really wanted to speak to someone who, who knew, their, who knew their, um, the, the topic really, really well. So when we, when we talk about depiction of representation of Muslims in Hollywood and how that has changed over the decades when it comes to Orientalism, um, how it's changed from pre and post 9-11, etc, etc. Do you think there are parallels to be drawn in Bollywood as well? Um, I think so. I think so. Um, I think, first of all, we have to acknowledge the fact that we're not Indian Muslims, right? We're not Indian and we're not, you know, Indian Muslims. We're Pakistani. So the idea, you know, it's something that I, I kind of like draw the uh, draw the parallel with nationalism as a whole. Um, we felt felt like a sense of, of cultural uh, proprietary to Bollywood. Like this was our home. This was the songs we could sing. They speak our language. They look the same like us. We used to be the same country, you know, 70 years ago, whatever. Um, and I think over the last few years, I think it's been this struggle that we've become othered. Right. And we have become in our countries and also in the culture we used to enjoy. Um, we have become the bad guys or being portrayed as the bad guys. And I think there's been a steady climb towards that. I think, um, you know, September 11 definitely was a point. But then in India specifically, there were the Mumbai terror attacks. 
um, there's been the, the the wars or the scuttles that have happened over the past few years between India and Pakistan. Also, the continuous uh, issues in Kashmir that are happening it it creates um, it creates tension. Uh, which is uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I understand that a lot of specifically Pakistani people cannot really identify with Bollywood or how they are portraying, um, um, you know, uh, Muslims or your Pakistanis. Mm. Um, But there is also a point that it is their cinema, you know. So I I am a very big proponent to, you know, um, being kind of in, in favor of freedom of speech and specifically artistic freedom of speech. So, um, you know, people are allowed to make the art that they want to make. But then it also allows you to criticize the art the way you want to criticize that art. So it's kind of like they're both things. So I think I I enjoy it. I still enjoy Bollywood. I, I would say I love Bollywood more than any other cinema. You know, like I like Hollywood movies, I like Korean movies, I like French movies, but you know, like Bollywood hits you in a gut, like no, no other cinema can, you know, you love it like passionately, at least I do. Um, So it's, I I think there are parallels and I think sometimes because the sense of betrayal, betrayal, the cultural betrayal for us is so strong, we focus that, you know, uh, uh, Bollywood has gone has started hating Muslims. But I think it's been the same way in Hollywood. It's been the same way in the world. It's been the same way politically, in the media, um, in new newspapers, in television. Um, so I, don't, I think there is like a, it, 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 it goes across the board, but I think our, our, our sense of betrayal with Bollywood is much higher because we felt it was ours when it maybe never was. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of, um, so you've kind of described how you negotiate that kind of uh, political side of Bollywood in your, for yourself, in your mind. Um, and I'm just interested in your um, kind of cosmopolitan experiences of, of, of living in Belgium, France, Britain. Do you feel that there's differences um, between these places and the Asian people who uh, reside in these places and how they respond to Bollywood, perhaps? Um, Yes, I I definitely think there's differences. Um, uh, And for me, the British Asians have always been super interesting, I have to say, because, you know, I, uh, I was, I mean, so I'm in Belgium, we're not that far geography, geographically, right? And I think there's a big difference between Asians in America and British Asians, because the way immigration happened, uh, British Asians had much more of a stronghold in the UK, right? We had like, you, you guys had these cities, you could, you know, you had Curry Lane and, you know, uh, chicken tikka masala, which is an absurd dish that I don't understand was like, you know, raised <laughs> as this, this amazing dish that the British now like, you know, or chicken jow frazy, whatever you guys call it. So <laughs> fake dishes. These things don't exist. But anyway, um, so you guys created all of that. And I think um, it, it's, it's been funny because in the 80s, I see a lot of British Asians really turned their back against Bollywood. Like my cousins that grew up in Birmingham and stuff like that, they, they were a couple of years older and they hated Bollywood. They were like, oh my God, this is like so cheap and this is so trashy. How can you even watch it? Like I remember those goodness ga- gracious me clips um, mm. with Chunky Lafanga and <laughs> they were funny. 
but it was still like a, making fun of bollywood like you know people out of shape and dancing around tree and i i thought it was more making fun of than actually loving that cinema and i see i see that with the generation that's slightly older than us and then the the generation that came to towards their teens in the 90s and the 2000 we really embraced it mm. we really embraced it with and i think that was with shahrukh khan salman khan and amir khan like you know kal ho na ho like also bollywood came to london they made dilwale dilaniya le jayenge right um and it, it almost feel they were appealing to us the nri audience right um so we kind of embraced this globalistic bollywood vision and i think slowly slowly that has changed um Would But, you not say? Would you not? Sorry to interrupt. Would you not say um, that previous generation that you're referring to, there were, there were, um, there were embracing, for example, Shole and some of these classics. You know, if you speak to people, they'll they'll know the lyrics off by heart. Mm. I I think there was but I just I, like the the people that I've gotten in touch with I feel like mm-hmm. they also don't speak their language like I feel th- that's been a very big difference between being raised in Be- Belgium where everybody speaks Urdu at home like we we yeah. you know everybody does we don't necessarily even have an accent when we speak Urdu whereas if you come here I think English is the dominant language and like a lot of times um you know the urdu isn't of that high of a level i've been to like i have a tendency if i go to green street or brick lane or whatever i will speak urdu and a lot of times i've gotten compliments about how clear my urdu is mm-hmm. and that's just be- because i've been raised in in belgium whereas here i felt english i i think the kids with each other spoke in english and then you know urdu or hindi that kind of became like a thing that you speak with your parents and then even when you really want to express yourself you switch back to english or your parents want to sp- switch to english because they feel oh i i i didn't get the career advances because i had a certain accent in my english and i don't want my kids to have that right i mean there's all there's, these are all justifiable reasons right i'm not saying any anyone is bad or good but i'm just saying this is what i've i've seen um so i think that's where kind of a, I, i see a difference between british asians and people that have been raised in countries where we were a total minority we didn't have like these cultural hubs we didn't have like you know our mosque was like an apartment building um you know like a flat and we used to go in there there was no azan and eat it gets so busy we have to we have to pray on the street like and all of these like Belgian people are like walking around us and honking the horn. Oh, by the way, Belgium is a super racist place by the way. Just going <laughs> to add this. <laughs> so they're super racist. Um so they're like just like honking and honking and stuff like that. So but you guys had these awesome mosques and like these cultural centers and like you know you could get a curry wherever you wanted. You had Mother Jaffrey. So it was kind of like a, a utopia of acceptance but uh Yeah. I think that um that's really interesting what you're talking about there. And by the way, identity and belonging and language and these themes are themes that I'm really interested in and that I research and so on. So just picking up on those a little bit. I don't want to digress too much from the Bollywood um uh, podcast itself, but um linking back to uh what you just said about um the British because they've been long established here i think obviously 50 60 70 years ago it was the same thing where mosques were in little terraced houses in a room rather than these grand mosques that we have now um but i think you made a really important point about language um 
the decline of language and multilingualism and bilingualism because that's a, a real big concern for a lot of um, South Asian communities in the UK because we've got generations of young children now um, who are at primary school and even secondary school who don't speak a word of Urdu they can understand or Punjabi or Mirpuri or whatever their home language is they can often understand but they can't speak it so I guess my question is how do you think this um, decline of, um, of home languages will impact the kind of love for Bollywood that previous generations have had? Hmm. I think, I mean, I, I think we're in a good space, first of all, that we now have subtitles, you know, that really helps for a lot of people. Um, um, but uh, it's, it's a tough one. I think, I think people that have, it's, Bollywood is a s different cinematic language than Hollywood. So you need to be versed in that language to understand it, or you need to find some sort of appeal to it. Um, you know, and I have a lot of um, non-Asian friends that love Bollywood Hindi movies. Um, and they found some cultural connect where they found the the grand emotions they found that appealing or they found the choreography or the colors or the the way of the sincerity of emotion i think that is something that bollywood has that hollywood does not have like a man can fall in love with a woman and like lose himself and i think that's kind of a cultural sufi thing that we've had in our cultures for so long and i think the way western people approach that kind of thing it feels embarrassing to show your emotion to that level right like if you go back to shahrukh khan's dar right okay that that guy's playing a psychopath but he's like literally cutting you know with a knife the name of his lover in into his chest you know and a lot of, I mean, I'm not saying that's positive. Don't do that, children, you know, don't do that. But it, it, it's saying, like, it's an expression of how deep we feel feelings, right? And I don't think there's something like that, that equivalent in Hollywood or French cinema or any other cinema. And I think that kind of overt um, expression of emotion can be terrifying for a lot of people. So I think if, you've, if you're not well-versed, in that cinema, you will never find that connect. The only connect you can get with that cinema is if Western audiences discover it or start praising it. You know, if there is a slum, slumdog millionaire moment, some guy that has not watched the Bollywood movie in 40 years will go, oh, I'll go watch, I'll go watch Slumdog because it's a Bollywood, which it clearly is not. But that can be a gateway to rediscover something that he has a fond memory of that his mom was cooking parathas and listening to, you know, some Kishore Kumar song while she was doing that. Mm -hmm. So that might connect something there. But if you've strayed away too far, I don't think, I don't think it's easy to come back. And also the, the thing is just cinema in general is in decline. You know, people are not going to the cinema anymore. We're watching more YouTube content. We're watching more Netflix and things like that. Um, and that will keep going on. Like I know that a lot of younger people have not watched a movie in like a year. They, they just watch like TikTok or whatever, right? <laughs> so then, there's the, then there is the audience of somebody like Lily Singh, for example, who's a major mm. YouTube star, right? Mm. And that can be an avenue in to kind of connect with that culture again. I don't know how connected Lily Singh is with culture, but she also understands that a collaboration with Priyanka Chopra will get her hits, right? So 
I, I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated kind of like a question. And I, I've been ranting and talking for so long. I kind of forgot your questions. <laughs> <laughs> Please interrupt me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's fascinating what you're saying in terms of identity and and you know knowing what what you think belongs to you because Bollywood predates the partition of Pakistan and India right the industry yeah. predates that something you mentioned earlier around British Pakistanis but the Pakistan diaspora or Pakistanis from Pakistan actually they there was a there was a sense of Bollywood is also ours. And for that to be yanked away somehow, was there a specific film or a specific moment for you that really made that really really that was was drilled home? That thinking, hang on, this thing that I held so close to my heart, it's not really for me. I never really belonged here. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I I think when I started feeling there was a shift um, towards. Um, it's hard to say demonization, but I'll just use that word because it's just the one that I kind of came up with now. Um, uh, the movie Sarfarosh with the Amir Khan. Uh, that was kind of, um, I mean, if you compare it now with the movies that have come out now, how they demonize Muslims, it's very kind of soft if you compare it to that. Uh, and it's still very, very measured. But when it came out at that time, um, because it does, I, and I think it was, hap- I, I'm, I'm not great with history, but I think it was during the Cargill War um, or uh, the Cargill uh, issue that happened. And then a lot of movies like that came out at that same era. There was also like a movie like Border. I don't know if you remember Border. And there was another one with Sunny Deol where he lifts up a hand pump. Uh, I, I think it's called Gadar Prem Kata, Ek Kata. Um, and at that moment, I mean, at border, they're like literally saying, we're going to kill you like dogs or something like that, screaming that to the Pakistan army. Um, and the idea of, you know, the, the sneaky Muslim that's just waiting for his turn to either convert women and, you know, go jihad on them or, you know, just like drop a bomb. Those things started at that time. Um, and that's where I felt, oh, wait, that's like, uh, that's like a shift in something. Um, so I think um, Sarfarosh was 99 and then Border came out in, I'm just kind of looking it up again while we're talking and I cannot find, I am uh, 97. So yeah, 97, 99, that's where I really felt that there was a shift happening. Whereas now you can just blatantly demonize Muslims historically, or you can do it in current events, or you can do it locally. You can just, it's, it's, it's a free for all now. Um, but at that time, it, it was really shifting, I felt. And I think also it was the fact that Amir Khan was making a movie like that, right? Which who, who you would say, uh, you know, he's one of ours, like, again, kind of coming to that sense of betrayal. And he was also saying, you know, like making these points about um, there was a character, there's a token character, Salim, in there, uh, who's a Muslim cop who's been, um, who's been uh, badly treated by the police force. And the moment he says, you know, why should I, why should I help you guys when you have treated me so badly? Amir Khan gives him like a 10 minute speech how he should like act right. It's not because you got like, you know, uh, treated badly that you should treat others badly. And it's like really like a really weird speech looking back at it. Um, so yeah, Sarfrosh border that was like 97 to 2000. That's where I really felt the shift. 
What does that then say for the Indian Muslims who are from India? Who who I mean, how 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 does that make them feel? How do they how should they react to this? Because this is their country. This is their this is their shared culture, right? And there's one saying one thing saying that this is how potentially Pakistani should feel about it because of the geopolitics. Mm. But what if you're a, a, an Indian Muslim? How then does that work for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because I'm also Pakistani, so I, I it's very hard to speak towards how Indian Muslims should feel. Uh, I can only imagine they're in a tough spot, right? Uh, and I think what we've seen in the last year happening uh, with a lot of the protests, um, they they're I feel bad for them, you know. I feel bad for the situation they're in. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it must be tough. It must be tough choosing sides. I think it's also tough for the actors, right, to choose a side and kind of have that balance between making statements and not making statements. I remember when the protests were happening in November, a lot of people were saying, you know, where are the Khans? Why is Salman Khan, Shah Rukh Khan and Amir Khan not making a statement either for or against uh, the things that are rights that are happening in Delhi? And my position then was, you know, like, Shahrukh, Amir, and Salman have made statements in the past, and they've been um, they they've been heavily criticized for it. So even if you attain that high of a social position, um, you can you 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 are still the victim of a lot of criticism. So if you are just a regular person with no sense of privilege and you're a minority in this large country, um, it must be tough. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for them, but I feel bad for so many people, man. It's a tough time for every minority <laughs> everywhere, you know, um, you know, be it be it sexual orientation, be it identity, be it you know cultural or national background. It's a tough time to be a minority because the mi- majority feels like they are the minority and they've been mistreated by some sort of you know, globalistic cabal. And, you know, that that's what I see also when the Brexit vote happened, you know, like the majority is feeling like they've been mistreated, like they're the minority. And it's like, wait a minute, this is no, like, let's not like, you know, re- like look at the past and like, like, like put everything in an order. This doesn't make sense what you guys are feeling. But that's, I think that's what I feel. It's kind of a pervasive feeling throughout the world at the moment. Well, and um, what you're saying here, Asim, is really, it, so full disclosure, I'm not a Bollywood fan at all. In fact, the other evening, my husband said, let's watch a Bollywood film. And I had to kind of deter him and get him onto something else and quickly distract him. But um, the reason I'm not a Bollywood fan, I'd say I love the old films from the 80s, the 90s, the ones that you mentioned, but the more contemporary ones, I just feel like, you know, part of the problem is what you just referred to about the politics of these films. And Honestly, they make my blood boil. They make me so angry. I can't just brush them off. I can't brush off this. Um, you use the word demonization, and that's the correct word. This demonization of Muslims. And while I agree with you that you know minorities are persecuted throughout the world, um, global Islamophobia is massive, and it's an area that I I read about and research, and you know often think about being Muslim myself. So. This, to see that in the Indian film industry, and I know, and I hear what you're saying, that's been there for a long time in many film industries, and even in the Indian film industry, it's been there for a very, very long time, but to see it now amplified, um, and then to see the real life implications, um, 
it makes me so angry that it kind of makes me steer away from Bollywood. Mm -hmm. So for people like me who can't bear to watch negative representation, um, have you got any examples, maybe none, but I hope you do, of films that you think are contemporary films that do show a more complex and nuanced representation of Muslims? Yeah. I mean, I want to go back to what you were saying, you know, how Bollywood has pushed you back. I think what we have is back in the day, there used to be one Bollywood release that was for everybody, right? You know, you had the Amitabh movie, you had the Sri Devi movie, and the whole family would watch that movie, right? Yeah. Um, with, you know, with dad with the finger on the fast forward button, you know, forwarding things. <laughs> like, uh, I think that's been the biggest loss for dads over the last 20 20- <laughs> That they do not have the remote with the fast forward button anymore. Um, I've got it on their phone now, and they're confusing dad by. Yeah, yeah, his dad is like, yeah, he ends up sending a tweet like, "What's happening?" Like, I just wanted to forward the song, but uh, I think that era has passed. So, if you want to watch Indian movies, you need to invest time in finding the ones that will appeal to you. So you cannot go for the biggest releases because honestly, the big Hollywood releases don't necessarily appeal to me either, right? Like how many superheroes movies can I watch, right? So it's not always about these big releases, but you need to go in if you want to, right? You you can still find these little gems that are amazing that aren't necessarily some of Like I'm thinking of a movie like Andadun, which is kind of like a thriller noir kind of movie about a blind pianist. And it's like a whodunit. It has amazing performances with Tabu, whose Tabu is an amazing actress. She's also from a Muslim background um, and she plays an amazing role. She's not plays, playing a Muslim in that, um, in that movie, but if we're talking about representation, it's an amazing character she's playing in there. Um, and so that is a movie I would recommend to anybody that says there are no good movies for me to watch anymore and I want to watch them. Amazing soundtrack, amazing performance, go watch Andadun. If you're looking for specifically uh, Muslim portrayals, I would suggest something like Gully Boy, um, which is kind of like Eight Mile mixed with Rocky, but in the Indian hip hop world. And all of the characters are Muslim. They, it's written and directed by a Muslim, uh, Muslim background um, female director. Um, and it's dealing also very subtly about um, the, the demonization of Muslims, how they're put in the corner, and, but also even about class. Um, how, you know, the caste system and the class system still works in India. Plus, it has an awesome slamming soundtrack. Um, you know, um, so these are elements that there are there, but I don't know how many people have heard of Gully Boy, although it is streaming on Prime. But you know, yeah. um, I saw it. I saw it actually. It came up, and I thought that looked interesting. And my husband's nickname is Gully because he's called Gulam. <laughs> so he was. Uh, that was the movie he wanted to watch. He was Gully Boy. Oh, yeah. oh, I need to watch this. So I will watch this on your recommendation. Yeah, so that's that's and I would love to hear how you thought about what you thought about it, you know, because there is there's a there's a character in a hijab in there, and she's a badass, you know, uh, she's uh, she she's it's a really cool portrayal, and um, you know you see somebody that's you know doing the namaz, you know, so there's there are still things that are happening, but. I agree with you about Islamophobia. I mean, you know, you, you, I cannot deny it either, right? Like, it's a huge problem. And, like, the majority of content created 
is um, is bad. But you know, like if I go, if I also compare it with Hollywood, like nothing has enraged me as much as something like Twenty Four did. Mm-hmm. Remember that show with the mm-hmm. yeah. Sutherland? Yeah. Like nothing in Bollywood has enraged me as much as Twenty Four did, or True Lies did with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. or even recently Jack Ryan, that show on Amazon Prime did. Um, first season at least you know um, so uh, you know I, I'm, I still have a soft spot for, for Bollywood and maybe that's just my bias and will remain though because we have amazing songs and we do really cool dances you know <laughs> at least 24 didn't have that right <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really fascinating so when you think about it when you when you think about who we are now we, we spoke about identities before and where you tie where you anchor your identity for for someone like me who of pakistani heritage born in the uk for me hollywood is is normalized and bollywood is over there right and for me to write off bollywood as a homogenistic industry as islamophobic is absurd to you as it would be absurd to me for you to write off all of hollywood because of the examples you just gave so for every problematic film from bollywood you could give me five problematic representations in hollywood mm. so, so essentially by by writing off a whole industry we are falling foul of the brushing a whole industry as just a homogenous you know love swiss alps you know dancing around a tree kind of paradigm so do you, would you agree with that or do you think that's too reductive no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, but I also, I mean, we are specifically talking about Bollywood too, right? Here, so the, like Indian cinema is vast. Um, I've been getting into Tamil cinema, uh, South Indian, other South Indian cinema genres, and they are very much cerebral. They, they I feel good watching them. Um, and I was watching a movie called uh, Vada Chennai the other day. Amazing, amazing three-hour gangster epic. And you don't feel demonized at all. Like you, you even have a, a movie that came out, uh, Trance, and there was one called Kumbalangi Night. Sorry, I'm not good with the, I've not gotten a handle of the language yet. Um, and those have lead Muslim character, uh, actors playing those uh, roles. And you feel really, really good about it. And also, I got to give a shout out to, to Pakistani cinema. You know, we're doing some pretty good stuff too. But you know, we why are we not exploring that facet and just holding on to our anger towards Bollywood? You know, why are we making that anger even transfer to, I'm not even going to watch a Pakistani movie, right? Like that argument in a way doesn't hold uh, water, right? Like if, okay, you are angry with some seven, eight movies that Bollywood has made over the year that have been, you know, um, Islamophobic, but how, how many Pakistani movies have you watched? You know? Um, how many Irani movies have you watched? You know, there are there is other cinema out there, but I think it comes back to that sense of betrayal. We grew up with that. We, you know, we we watched Shole, we watched, you know, Pakiza, we watched mm. Mughal Azam. Although I've never seen Mughal Azam, like I think people say they watch Mughal Azam, but I I I I am sure only ten percent of people that say they've seen those movies. <laughs> Um, so I think that sense of betrayal is plays against it, and it also drives that anger that I'm kind of feeling in Sadia, which she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that. It's not just the Islamophobia aspect. I do feel that um, I 100% agree with you about the kind of these fringe um, films that 
don't get a look out, that they don't become mainstream and they're not big blockbusters. I really agree with you that it's important to seek those films out and em embrace those films. And I try and do that with world cinema. And that's why I'm really happy that you mentioned Tamil cinema. So I'm definitely going to look up the recommendations that you gave. Um, but I think it's not just that. I think I just feel like uh, contemporary Bollywood film industry, it, it doesn't appeal in terms of, for me personally, I don't know about for you guys, but in terms of the music, the costumes, I don't know, like the traditional films that you've mentioned, the classics, the costumes are stunning, the songs are stunning, but I just feel like the new ones don't have that, that kind of pizzazz, but that's just me, that's just my, my humble opinion and that's what keeps me away. But I will definitely watch Gully Boy and I will watch The Blind Pianist because I am interested in seeking out um, examples of, you know, good, not just representation, but just very good cinematography. I think that there's a there's a there's a lot of people who say the same thing about Hollywood, right? There's people who lament the the golden era of, you know, Fred Astaire and all those classics and all that kind of stuff. So I guess um you know, people when when La La Land came out, I mean, you know, say what you'll say about that film, but it it did it was did it did well because a lot of people said it kind of it's the golden era of Hollywood and that whole kind of romantic notion that people had that people hold it dear to their heart because that's what they grew up with, right? Because yeah. we grew up with our parents listening to soundtracks from you know the old films. Um, all the Amitabh films, we all grew up watching those and wanting Amitabh, you know, the this, the classic storyline of Amitabh getting beat up halfway through the film and, you know, he makes it in the end. And, you know, look, watching them now might feel a little bit cringe, but because we grew up with them, we, we have this fondness for that storyline, we have that fondness for those characters and those that set up, right? Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. What is this cringe though? I gotta stand and go, what, 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 can we dig into that, Shaf? What is the cringe you feel? I want to hear that. I think it's. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm saying it as a kind of an affectionate cringe. It's like it's. It's. I'm using it in an affectionate way. Like the whole like dishum dishum kind of yeah. you know fight scenes and and you know the. Um, I guess I, I guess we'd call it OTT, the over the top kind of fight scenes yeah. and and it kind of it stretched out. So I guess when I say cringe, it's it's cringe, but um, it's like an affectionate memory yeah. of watching them as as a child and mm -hmm. you know even you know. You mentioned earlier about you know the dad with the fast finger and the fast forward for the dancing scenes and whatnot, depending on your religiosity, whatnot, all right, what's yeah. acceptable in the household. But even some films, you knew full well that your parents loved them, and yeah. so we inherit that love for those films, right? Yeah. For for me, it's also like like uh, uh, first because we are talking about Amitabh, I wanted like the two like people when they ask me when did you fall in love with Bollywood, right? These are the two moments. Like one was Amitabh Skuli. Uh, mm. I don't have you watched that movie yeah. ever? You know? Okay. Yeah. So Amitabh is playing a Muslim character there, right? And at the end, he's getting shot at by Qadir Khan. And then this like religious chadar comes in front of him and it stops bullets, man. <laughs> like I saw that and I was like, oh my God, Muslims can be superheroes. Like 
I remember that as an eight-year-old and I fell in love. And then the second time was, <laughs> I, I got to say, by, by the, like, I don't, a lot of like maybe pious Muslims are listening to this. I'm like really like an orange belt in Islam. Like I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like a high level. So I got to say, like when Salman Khan took off his shirt in O, o Jane Jana, I was like, oh my God, Muslim men can be hot. <laughs> like this is allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, just at that right age. And those two moments in uh, like Hindi cinema just kind of like gave me something that Hollywood cinema could never. Like I had never seen a Muslim superhero character in Hollywood or any other thing. Mm. And I had never seen a sexy Muslim on screen. You know, I'd never seen it. And those key moments in my life as a as a man growing up it really solidified and that's why i started working out that's why i wanted to be a hero that's why i wanted to be a good guy and i think for me it's also about i and this is like a call it a philosophy i i seek things to fall in love with and you know and i think with how social media and twitter and stuff has become i feel people seek out things to hate now and mm-hmm. I still seek out things to love. And that me, might be my, you know, Bollywood hero in me that I have. I want to fall in love. I want to love things, songs and dances. And I think it's an, it's a, it, it requires effort. And it, I think it requires um, attention. And I think what you were saying also, Sadia, like, or Shaf, um, you know, we, um, we used to uh, we used to love these movies back in the day, but I think the older you get, you never feel emotions that strongly anymore. Like, remember the first time you actually fell in love with somebody? Like, you know, can you fall in love that strongly at 35, 40, 45? Do you, you know, all of our favorite, favorite albums, the music we used to listen to, there's a scientific point. I think it's like second year of college. Whatever you've listened to second year of college is the music you're going to love for the rest of your life. So you need to train that muscle. And I think even in, like, even I would say further along, even if you're married, right, you need to train that muscle. You need to keep falling in love with the person you're with. Um, And it's the same thing in life. I feel like with movies, I seek out things to love. And that's why I'm still like, you know, in a love affair with Hindi cinema. Asim, we need to get you to set up a a marriage podcast as well, not just a Bollywood one, to give us good good romancing tips there. Wow, wow, that's uh, that's that's some serious philosophy you just dropped there. Jack was taking notes there. That's why he went very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've reached that age. I'm bordering on Desi Uncle mode. So you know, I can just give free advice to anybody about anything. You know, I'm a specialist in everything. Just ask me on Twitter, <laughs> Asim Bernie. I'll give you advice about everything for free. <laughs> You're right because we grew up with like Muhammad Rafi songs, and you know if you actually look at some of the meanings of those songs, it's like inc- it's like really kind of deep yeah. poetry, really. It's um, mm. and it's like you know it, you know that's that's a really interesting uh, thing you brought up there. I think I mean to 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 to, to introduce some Mancunian cynicism to the proceedings, um, if I can, just to bring down your level of love for a second, Asim. Um, with I mean, I think it would be remiss for us not to talk about the, the current geopolitics situation in Kashmir and the lockdown and that implication that's had. Um, I mean, given that there has been many Muslim family dynasties acting wise and composer wise and all of those things, I guess the question I have is, 
with the, the, this seems to be, to be a prevailing narrative that's being pushed out there by by Bollywood. And why don't the the Muslim well writers and the and and the actors in that in that space why aren't they doing more or, or is that an unfair question to ask um i think it's not an unfair question to ask i think it's an unfair burden to place on them um i think they have spoken out many many times i think uh Sharukhat wrote a very long piece in time magazine was it or in open india about how his place feels in india and he got a lot of slack for that i remember when Amir Khan made the statement that uh, there's intolerance rising in India and he's not sure if the place is safe for him, his children. He got a lot of flack to the point where they wanted to flop his movie, ban his movie. Um, Salman Khan has gotten a lot of flack for even collaborating with artists like uh, Rahat Ali Khan over across the border. Um, Karan Johar, he, uh, when he had Edile Mushkil, where he had Fawad Khan, a Pakistani actor coming over, he had to come in front of the cameras and apologize. Like it was like a hostage video where, that he had a gun against his head, apologizing to even have thought of working with Pakistani actors. Um, and I think it's, it's a tough situation. Like I don't, I, I, it, it's, it's very hard to kind of like, how far do we want to go? Even us in our daily lives, right? Like how much unacceptable things does the British government do, right? How much time are we spending on calling them out? And if we spend all of our time calling them out, can we still have a balanced personal lives? You know, can we, if I am ranting against some, you know, John Smith Brexit voter 69 XXX on Twitter, <laughs> how, how am I not taking that negativity back to my marriage when I'm making my eggs and paratha for my wife and my kids. You know, you do take those things back home. And I think it's it's a very tough burden to place when they they have, they've even made cinema about unity, about pushing back against certain narratives. Like if you go back and look at uh, Dilse with Shah Rukh Khan, um, which came out, I think in early 2000, I think it was like 50 years, 50 years of uh, India's independence. And it was about really about how India has dealt with, um, you know, these local separatist movements and also how uh, the government has been very oppressive against certain minorities uh, and what that leads towards. And um, th they did make those movies, like even like a movie like Bharat or Sultan. Like I, last, last year, this movie came out with Saman Khan Bharat. It was directed by a Muslim, Ali Abbas Safar. Um, and it was about... Uh, this guy, how from India, uh, from partition, he grew up until now. And it's not a great movie. I like it because I, the actors in there, I really appreciate. But it had this little scene where you see that the family is in, I think, in Pakistan initially. And um, partition is happening and they need to go back to India. So they see a train arriving in Pakistan. And when they open the train, all of the the train is just filled with bodies right and then on the background you see that the muslims the pakistanis in re retaliation are arming themselves and they're going to start cutting down the indians that want to go back to india right if this was a totally jingoistic anti-muslim movie that train would never have arrived from india that shows you that the violence happened in india too 
you would have the scene that only the Pakistanis are arming themselves and they're going to start cutting up Hindus that are going back to India, right? Cinematically, that makes very easy. That's a very easy edit to make, right? But they decided to show that scene that the train is first arriving from India and the violence is there from both sides. So there are moments where these people are taking a subtle stance to kind of, you know, um, kind of explain where they're coming from. Is it enough for everybody? It's never going to be enough for everybody. Is it enough going to be for the wokest of us? It's never going to be enough for the wokest of us. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of it's kind of a tough situation. So I I, I feel it's you know you, you have to look inwardly. You know you have to look. You know what are you doing and what can you afford to do? Um, and I think everybody needs to kind of make their own conclusions. I wish we were in a a fairer world we wish i wish there was less you know oppression of muslims or any kind of minority i always add any kind of minority um but that's just not the world we're living and it's going to be tough for another 15 years easily you know um so yeah i don't i unfortunately have no solutions for kashmir it's like you know can you solve the israel palestine situation in like a five minute podcast i wish i could you know (laughs) what people have tried it for like you know, 70 years and me as a Bollywood podcaster definitely cannot. <laughs> no, you, you, you gave a really thoughtful answer there and I really appreciate that. You know, it's um, it's, it's much more nuanced than really meets the eye oftentimes. So, solving, it, solving these situations, these political world situations on podcasts is now the contemporary equivalent of our parents sitting with their friends and solving it over dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just saying this like the other day like remember at like parties and we see as younger kids we were like all these uncle always talking about politics and now we're those uncles talking about politics <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, I just, it's been so brilliant chatting to you and thank you so much for coming on our podcast um i've just i just wanted to and i will 100 percent check i'm gonna i'm looking at bollywood with new light you've convinced me to check out definitely some of the examples you've given me but also you've also reminded me that it's not just about bollywood but there's you know bengali cinema there's uh you know there's south south indian um kind of tamil and so on so i need to definitely check all those out and i will be having a chat with you about that but i just i'm really intrigued to know um since you've been so passionate about bollywood for so many years and you've studied it really in depth you know informally to some extent and you've, you've done all these podcasts and you've talked about it so passionately have you ever thought to yourself i'd like to take a hand at writing my own bollywood movie <laughs> uh no <laughs> i'm not i've never uh i think i could produce a movie i think that i would like i would like to produce movies like that that would be my passion but i think i do not have the skill i do not have the stories in me to tell those stories um but i i am passionate about it but i think it's always that tough balance between being a critic or being a creator right and i think a, a lot of times you know when you criticize a movie that's the criticism you'll get oh if you can do it better why don't you make your own movie you know but i don't like making movies i don't want to make movies i want to watch movies and i want to talk about it you know so uh i i i love it but you know i i don't even think the the perfect movie in my mind would even be like a successful movie you know what i mean like it would just be a movie for me you know do you have any do you have any advice for young um young people who do want to 
um, break it into producing movies or writing scripts and so on? Have you got any kind of gem, gems of advice that you could give them? I think, you know, make it. That's my advice. You know, like I, I think the, the hurdles and the barriers are gone. You know, you can upload on TikTok. You can make uh, a movie on YouTube. Um, you know, you can get it out to people very, very easily. And I think I, actually even outside of Bollywood, I'm also I'm just like a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. Right. And don't wait your don't wait for your idea to be perfect. You know, you can launch an idea, start an idea and then perfect it or change it as it goes along. And there's no, you shouldn't feel that sense of ownership that this is going to be, it's not your child, you know, it doesn't, and even if it's your child, your child is not necessarily perfect, you know, you, you have kind of a base element and then you can try to make the best out of it the way you can. Um, I have no idea how people break into Bollywood or anything like that. I, uh, I, I, I'll sometimes get some people that have sent some CVs to me. And I'm like, I'm really not the right guy. <laughs> like, and it's also just funny because we're not, we're not in India. We're not in Pakistan. So um, we, we are still outsiders even to that cinema. So it's been interesting because a lot of these PR houses in India, they would either like some non-Indian to cover the story or cover the uh, cover the content then or or local indian people then us outsiders so we're kind of like you know like uh, we're not here nor there so it's kind of a an interesting place we're in um but i enjoy it i like my little corner of the internet <laughs> <laughs> well we do we do see a num we do see a lot of diaspora theater in the uk and you know we've got friends who produce theater productions who've done it um so you know perhaps that's the start of a new genre perhaps diaspora cinema i think it's been an absolutely fascinating having this conversation with you what we like to do is ask everyone who is a guest on our podcast whether there's been a film or a tv show hollywood bollywood whichever industry you'd like to is there one film that really spoke to you from your childhood or more recently that you'd like just to tell us about and and tell us why it meant so much to you. Okay, uh, Mr. India. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> India is my go-to movie for everything. I love that movie to bits. Um, it has, uh, an, I don't know if you guys know what Mr. India is, but it was kind of that first superhero Indian movie. One of the first, I would say, or the most popular, let's say that way, was a guy who runs an orphanage and he finds a bracelet that gives him the power of invisibility. And he can only be seen in red color. And it is awesome because he's fighting an Amrish Puri who's kind of a, who's like the ultimate Indian cinema bad guy. At least he was my favorite. And he's like, he's like a cross between Julius Caesar and Hitler. And he takes him on with these orphan kids. It has amazing, amazing, amazing Sri Devi in it. Um, the problem is it's a movie that's very hard to find. Um, so you ha there's a very, there's an HD print on uh, YouTube, but it has no subtitles. So you will have to relearn Hindi or Urdu to understand the full passion that I feel of that movie. But yeah, Mr. India, it's not related to anything serious. It's not related to Islam or Muslims or representation or anything like that. It is just an amazing movie. Mr. India, I love that movie. So that's the one when he says, uh, Mugambo Khushwa. 
Exactly. Like what a one-liner. It has like the ultimate. <laughs> like after like Gabbar Singh, it has to be Mogambo, right? Like there's nobody else. I think even Sadia can admit that was a good movie. <laughs> it was. It was. I remember watching that in my childhood. Re- revisit it, Sadia. I think you'll still enjoy it as much as you did back then. No, Asim, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time, and it's been fascinating delving into this passion of yours. Asim, if people wanted to know more about your Khandan podcast and about your work personally, how did they do that? So, uh, Shaf and Sadia, thank you for having me on. And I got to say, I hope I did not offend anybody. I'm not like an expert or anything. And like I said, even on, on the level of Islam, I'm just like an orange belt, you know, so I don't know what I'm talking about. So, um, but if you want to debate me or ask me or ask me for some recommendation, you can just tweet at me at Asim Bernie. You can follow our podcast at you podcasting on Twitter or you podcasting.com or on iTunes. You can find us very easily as Khandan podcast. Um, or uh, yeah I mean we're quite easy to find I think even if you google Asim Bernie I'm probably going to be the top hit because I talk so much crap Uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much Asim and uh, I hope we stay in touch thank Thank you you take care guys बदल रही है रूप जिंदगी छाव है कभी कभी है धूप जिंदगी हर पल यहां जी भर जियो जो है समा कल हो न